This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Hip, hip, hooray, let's give a cheer. It's 9 a.m., the signal's clear. Our favorite host is in the chair. The Truman Show is on the air. It's The Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. The Truman Show is on the air. The Truman Show is on the air. Now from Adams Place on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. Here's Truman Jones. Good morning, Rutherford County. We're going to have a good show today. I have my old buddy Russ Pulley on. And Russ and I worked together a number of years. Uh, he was uh, transferred over here with the FBI. And because of his background, working with other agencies in Virginia and North Carolina, he had a, a way about him of being able to work with the people in each co uh, community that he went to. And the law enforcement officers all supported him in anything that he wanted to do because he was reaching out to the law enforcement people. Uh, now, I'm, I'm, I'm not too sure how they would accept him now because being a, um, a city councilman, in Davidson County, it just kind of uh, puts a new, new uh, title to you, Russ. That it, it just doesn't seem to fit. You would you would be perfect over here in Rutherford County, or or some of the um, surrounding areas of Davidson County. But what is it that drew you to Davidson County and wanted to get in politics there? What drew me to my current position? Yeah. Well, you know, in the federal law enforcement world, there is a early retirement system Whoa. where they allow you to retire earlier than uh, a typical federal employee because of Well, the now, do you get to retire at the pay level of, say, a New York, or do you get to uh, receive a pay level... Nashville or Middle Tennessee. Now, see there, you even let me ask, answer my question for you already <laughs> asked another one. Uh, but uh, uh, I get to retire. Well, I, I was with you too long. That's <laughs> why I did that. <laughs> I, was I get to retire at the pay level of a Nashville, Tennessee person. So uh, they do have locality pay now, unlike what they did when I first came in the Bureau. Uh, when I first came in the FBI, you uh, uh person in Columbia, Tennessee made the same thing as somebody in Manhattan, New York. And uh, shortly thereafter, they uh, did an experimental project in New York because they were having a lot of difficulty uh, retaining agents there. Mm -hmm. They had to transfer basically three people into New York to fill one position because two of the three would quit. Yeah. So uh, they changed that, and then they eventually went to a locality pay situation. So you do get paid more if you're in the high-cost living areas. But back to your original question, um, because we retire... We were afforded the opportunity to retire early. There is a there's a point at which they make you leave. So uh, <clears throat> is that age? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I had to retire 57. So that's what we oh, call wow. hitting the wall. And uh, the, the, you're eligible to retire uh, at 50 with 20 years of service. Um, and uh, at 57, it's mandatory. And the, the purpose behind that is if we're going to afford you the opportunity to retire early because of the quote unquote stress of the uh, nature of your work, mm -hmm. then your lifespan's not as long as someone else's. So you're going to have to retire by a certain age. Knowing that was coming, you know, it afforded me the opportunity to sort of look out there and see what's available and what I wanted to do. And I did want to do something service oriented. My first uh, kind of desire. And I don't know, maybe it should have been where I went, <laughs> but, uh, 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 you know, youth development was a passion of mine, you know, through yeah. coaching and, uh, 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 you know, I've been youth counselor and uh, ball coach and uh, Boy Scout leader and, you know, that was very, very important to me and uh, I think that... Uh, and you have two boys. I do have two sons, yeah, but I kind of looked at something. I, I didn't want to go out there like the typical agent, go out and get a job and making money or doing the same thing that uh, we were doing or being a consultant or whatever. I want to do something service-oriented. So somebody shoved me in this direction, and I thought, are you crazy? Um, you know, the only thing I knew about you know, elected officials was the seedy side from obviously our days in law enforcement. Um, so I kind of looked at it and vetted the issue, kind of wrapped my around, arms around the issues with passion. I didn't even know if I was the right kind of guy to do that job. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's been, it, that kind of steered me in that direction. All those things came thumbs up and I, uh, uh, so I decided to give it a whirl and it's been fun. Uh, but quite honestly, you think about um, how you can make a difference in your community. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you really are the kind of person who really and truly does want to make a difference in your community, you know, I wonder how you can best do that. Because I, I think people like, you know, I look at people's who, people who really do I think of school teachers. We had a number of them come before us last night at the uh, council meeting, and it spoke loudly to me. Uh, school teachers make the biggest difference in people's lives. School teachers who do this the right way, because um, you know they're around our children uh, probably as much or more than we are, really, uh, when they're being taught school. I thought about, I think about my kids when they were in the school system, and. You know, they're in school for, what, eight hours a day, and, you know, then uh, I'm at work, I come home, and I've uh, spent, what, maybe five to probably about four or five, six hours with them before they went to bed, you know. Uh, so, obviously spent the weekend with them, but school teachers, coaches, people like that have a remarkable impression on kids. And you know, when you're in a, uh, you know, a, a, when you're in a family that's got a, a mother and a father, and um, you know, it's uh, they're loaded with family members with appropriate with with role models for the kids. Uh, things are a little different, but the, you still have remarkable teachers in your life that make a difference. Think but of the, the but look at the all the things that they have to deal with. Just like the curriculum in the school system has changed so much, yes, and it's and it's all because of the monies. You, you Washington, 
off if you don't mm -hmm. uh, uh, present the curriculum that, that they say you have to have. Nashville will cut you off. And pretty soon you're sitting there broke if you got a large school system. So um, teachers are not as likely, the, the, uh, the ones that want to be teachers, are not as likely to go into that particular profession as they used to be because they're having to climb up so many hills and, um, and some of it is basically impossible. So you're seeing a lot of public schools really are hurting right now because people are going to private schools and, and home teaching. They are, but think of, there are still, we still have teachers, and these teachers still teach our children in public school systems. And it's harder, and you are, harder to get them you, in the schools. You are correct in, in that there are numerous obstacles, and there always has been for teachers. Yeah. You know, but there are still those who fight through those obstacles still those and you think about what teachers make we just gave them the largest increase we've given them in years and years and years and years and years uh they're very happy now with uh with what we've done for them in the uh in nashville because we finally had a decent budget which enables us to do that but think of what these teachers do I mean, they really don't make a whole lot of money and they spend their own money on stuff for their classrooms they do and uh these teachers get deeply involved with their children they'll spend money on stuff for individual kids they'll feed them they'll take them home uh i mean they're just stories like that all over the place about what teachers do and how they deeply invest in their children and um you know to me those people change the world in politics well, you know maybe yeah we make somewhat of a difference but people like that you know think about coaches look at the difference a coach makes in a player's life sometimes i, I know some kids that played with uh, a lot of kids that played with my two sons in in mm -hmm. school you know, they didn't have any male role models whatsoever in their life. And their football coach was like their dad. And mm. just think of the tremendous opportunity coach. That, not all coaches take advantage of that, but think of the tremendous opportunity these coaches have to make a huge difference in those kids' lives. Mm -hmm. And as a result, I know a lot of kids that just still to stay in touch with their coaches and, you know, their coaches make a difference in their lives beyond that. I know some college coaches, for example, will say, uh, you know, when they recruit kids, you know, you give me the next four years of your life, I'll give you the next 40 after that. Yeah. And they're always, you know, leaning on their, their coaches to really – uh, help them through major decisions in their lives. So that's where you can really make a difference. Have you got a lot of teachers from Davidson County listening to this show? I don't think a one's listening to this show. <laughs> <laughs> but to me, you know. Uh, well, let's don't forget there I, there are so uh, there are groups of people who work for government that fall in line <clears throat> with what you're saying, mm -hmm. and of course. The one that stands out for me more than that are the people in law enforcement because the law enforcement people, they're putting their lives on the line every day that they go out there. Yes. And you're talking about underpaid and all the other things that, that go yes. with it. And 
you uh, you were in uh, uh, public service in law enforcement before you uh, became a bureau member. And <laughs> Before I went to the dark side. Went to the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it is, uh, it's thoroughly amazing to me that you have large groups in that. The teachers, mm -hmm. they're, they're in large numbers, mm -hmm. although they have drifted down quite a bit. And the law enforcement, and they have drifted down also mm -hmm. because the, uh, many of them do not want to serve in a law enforcement capacity in these larger cities. It's mm -hmm. becoming so dangerous for yes. them. And uh, uh, you and I have seen so many changes in those two particular fields over the last mm -hmm. years. When you and I were wor uh, uh, work cases here in Rutherford mm -hmm. County, and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. But you did a, such a great job of working up a relationship with each agency that you would work with and that made a terrific difference and and but well, i had yeah. a lot of i had a lot of guys that worked right here in 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 this mid-state area that i just absolutely love because uh they were um they were special agents here and you just went to a big retirement party i sure did and saw some of your old buddies at that party but uh to your point, it, it helped that I did what, uh, you know, that I worked in the local and the state agencies before I got in the Bureau and yeah. understood that perspective. I also understood how uh, standoffish agents can be perceived, and that certainly isn't very positively by... Uh, uh, oh, I saw one here when they yeah. came to work a murder case uh, <laughs> over at... Um, um, one of the um, kind of parks here in Rutherford County and uh, after they were here and collected a lot of evidence they came through all the evidence in our uh, door and say you got it now we don't work murder cases <laughs> yeah. you would have never done that to mm, us uh, well you know again um, uh, there's a lot of you know federal state local and uh, there's a perception that one's better than the other and that's just simply not true you just work for different agencies you have different jurisdictions and uh, there were some of the finest investigators i knew in my entire life who worked for county sheriff's departments uh city police departments <clears throat> and they just chose uh they chose to stay there because they didn't want the transfer issues that come with uh, working for the federal government they wanted to live in their hometown and quite honestly the uh the work there is different i mean you didn't work like you just said you didn't work murder cases or or some of the crimes that uh because you know in 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 the world of government uh not all but most crime is local and they and most of the statutes that deal with this stuff is state and local you know we typically didn't get involved unless there was a federal nexus to it so um <clears throat> uh but and those were fun times when when that happened and yeah. the great thing was getting to work with people like you and uh uh all the other guys around the sheriff's office so uh, and you know you always did very well uh, i always enjoyed my relationship working relationship with you because uh, one of the things i told people the most is you're an elected official and you brought as far from an elected officials i've ever seen in my life 
You, you didn't operate. I got even long. further away in 2010. You did. Yeah, you finally got what you deserved. <laughs> 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 you know, and uh, the funny thing is who beat you? <laughs> that tells you all of it you need to know about politics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is politics. Yeah. But, but speaking of politics, what in the heck has happened with the upper part of the bureau it, it, they have gotten just absolutely slammed in politics uh, uh, you know, I, I, I never thought I would even see that uh, come up nope never did and you know it's interesting you know, I've talked to some people I've talked to some because uh, uh, I'm removed from it I've been so for a long time yeah, thank goodness uh, but uh, one, I know when I worked in the FBI one of the things uh, we were certainly proud of and to the point of almost being arrogant about it was you know we weren't political yeah. i mean uh, i remember every time i would go and uh politics never entered my mind when i was investigating someone i didn't care who you were or what you did the facts is what mattered to me and yeah. if somebody ever pulled that do you know who i am card is i don't care who you are because i don't have to care and uh you know from the the former prosecutors AUSA some uh agents I'm telling you they're really disappointed because politics has entered into that uh picture and you know people were never motivated by politics at the level I worked you know and I didn't see it up uh, in 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 the the director's office is designed like it is to prevent that the FBI director doesn't serve at the pleasure of the president they have a 10-year term but you know if you're gonna get rid of a director you have to do so for cause not yeah. just because uh, of a change in administration so it's designed to avoid that but uh, uh, obviously that didn't happen well, J. Avery Hoover's had it set up that way and uh, the people that work uh, with him on the highest level they had so much respect for him. Now, every once in a while you would have a, a rogue agent just like it would be in any other law enforcement that maybe are looking for their own particular needs and power which you don't I never even imagined that would happen in the bureau as large <coughs> as it was across the country uh, the respect and the integrity was always there and, and then we uh, we've run into some just really just unbelievable things one of the reasons that Hoover was so great that the the politicians couldn't touch him and, and and neither could the media. I mean, they were really on him heavy. Yeah. And not until he passed away <coughs> did they start pulling all these um, uh, tactics of trying to destroy him personally and all the other things that went on. So that's that shows you how terrible the politics has been. But the Bureau was... As far as I'm concerned, the greatest law enforcement agency in the world. And uh, you guys, uh, it, nothing that, that you guys did was ever uh, brought up as anything that was negative as far as f affecting our country and affecting the Bureau. 
Yeah, and let's remember about Hoover. Now, Hoover's really the reason we have 10-year terms, because he served uh, for about 50 years as mm -hmm. director. Um, but remember what the FBI was when J. Edgar Hoover took over as director. Yeah. It was just a bunch of bumbling idiots who really were the uh, investigative arm of the Department of Justice. Mm -hmm. uh, the, that started under Bonaparte in 1908, and then in the early 20s, Hoover came along, mm -hmm. and uh, he saw basically some guys, you know, the, the Treasury agents were the ones who were the elite federal investigators of the day, yeah. you know, with Elliot Ness and uh, all the, uh, the and, and we just didn't have, uh, I don't even believe we had arrest authority back then. So what Hoover did was he changed the professionalism of the agency, changed the name, it went from the, it, uh, changed it to the Bureau of Investigation, BOI, and then it later changed the FBI, I think 1929 is when that happened, but Hoover instituted a strict code of conduct for his agents, uh, he professionalized it, uh, he required certain education levels, he also required uh, training, uh, and he changed the culture of the agency and turned it into what it eventually became. Mm -hmm. Now, he stayed for a long time and had a lot on a lot of people and uh, became a very powerful director. Yeah. And, of course, the politicians didn't want that to stay. So that's when, so when Hoover died, uh, I think 72 is when he uh, died, if I'm not mistaken. So mm -hmm. um, they, they're like, we ain't going to have this again. So they, they reduced the terms to 10 years, but they still uh, uh, removed that political component of serving at the pleasure of the president. Yeah. Uh, of course, obviously, that's uh, politics has creeped into it now, which is a sad thing because you really want uh, uh, the Department of Justice and the, of course, that's really political, but uh, you want the FBI uh, and the investigative agencies to be certainly at arm's length from all that. It, it seems like the uh, politics, though, has crept in in... It doesn't give them a, as much freedom to make the choices that they need to make. And that's the thing that's really bothering me more than anything else. Mm -hmm. And, and, and you, you look at the, uh, uh, what's going on with the media and, and, and certain groups in politics. It's all power struggles right now. And, and, and you, we don't have anybody to protect us like mm -hmm. we used to have. We've got a phone call. Caller, welcome aboard with Russ Bully. Good morning. Good morning. I was listening, and I don't know which way to take off this morning and <laughs> run, because what you guys are hitting on right now is, is, is the truth, and you know, you'll be wondering, which way do you run? You know, I watch television. Uh-oh. It's really terrible. Who can you trust? Who, 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 who's the good guys anymore? Uh, uh, you know, watch the news, and do you, do you watch, uh, get, get, do you get depressed? Do anybody feel me out there? Sometimes you just think, like I say, what do we do, you all? Is it, am I the only one that, that I, I go to church, churches, not just church, and people be calling me to the side, and they want to whisper in my ear, there's a lot of people that's fed up. Like I, I heard you all just talking a few minutes ago. There's 
a lot of people fed up with what's going on because they be wondering, where's the good guys at? Do y'all feel me? Yes, yeah, feel you tremendously. And uh, a lot of what you hear in the media is uh, disinformation. And the question, uh, it begs the question of how to stem the tide of disinformation. And the only way to do that is don't trust that information. Uh, you do your own independent research when you hear things, uh, but I, I certainly don't take what I read in the newspaper and what I see in the news media as gospel at any level. I look at it and it alerts me to certain things. Oh, well, yeah, I, I, I would not have known about an issue had it not been for a news report. But when the newscaster tells me these are the facts, I'm gonna, well, you know what, I'm going to do my own little research and, and I'll find out uh, on my own what the facts are because there's just way too much disinformation out there. So uh, that's, that's really... Uh, that's really contributing to so much of what's going on, and uh, uh, and we also live in a world of sound bites, and sound bites tend to rule the day, and uh, those sound bites are not nearly always factually accurate. I see that in my everyday life on the council. I look at ordinances, uh, and I look at the uh, information that people put in there, and they'll put in there as a factual data point a newspaper article and take it out of context. So it really requires all the rest of us to do our own research to find out what the facts are because uh, the gentleman caller is correct. You just can't trust the information. That's, that's something to think about. Appreciate y'all time, man. It is it's something to think about. I'm not going to take up too much of y'all time, but I tell you, sometime I could take my television and pitch it out the window. <laughs> I pretty much done yeah. that. I, I, wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, I, I like football sometimes, but I tell you what, I could just take it out. If I could tote it, I'd just take that show. And just, hey, Mr. Trailer Truck Driver, hold up I-24. I got something I'm going to pitch out in front of y'all. <laughs> That's funny. Do anybody feel like that except me? Yeah, no. we all do. Oh, okay, okay. That's I just want to make sure. I want you to lie alone. That's a common feeling. Okay, yeah. have a good day, gentlemen. I, I'm Thank listening. You. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. I always appreciate you. All right, let's take a quick break. Congratulations. You've retired. You might not be going into the office anymore, but you're finding that between the cleaning, the laundry, the lawn care, all of your home maintenance chores, you're still putting in a day's work every day. By moving to Adams Place Independent Living, the staff takes care of all that for you. Go to adamsplace.org to learn more or find us on Facebook, Adams Place. Michael DeLeon with Steered Straight Thrift Stores. It's a nonprofit thrift store. We take donations. Your donations, support, and purchases help educate youth on the choices and consequences of drugs, bullying, suicide, and other hard topics. Come into our thrift stores, 845 Middle Tennessee and 903 Mercury Boulevard. I'm telling you, you're going to find treasures and you're going to find great deals, but you're going to help us save lives. Michael DeLeon, Steered Straight. You're supporting drug education in schools. I can't emphasize enough, it's more important than ever. 
French's Shoes and Boots has the hottest brands and unbeatable deals that you won't find anywhere else. But this stuff is going fast and these deals can't last. Everyone wants the wildly popular Hey Dude shoes and French's has them back in stock. Check out the latest styles for men, women and kids. Hurry and get to French's here in the borough while the getting is good. It makes good sense to shop at French's. French's Shoes and Boots. 1837 South Church Street in Murfreesboro. Hi everyone, my name is Bonnie Nelson and I'm inviting you to a three-day prophetic conference in Murfreesboro, August 19, 20, and 21. Come gather with us at the Victory Christian Center. Morning sessions with activations, impartations, personal prophetic ministry, extravagant worship, and Holy Ghost speakers start at 10 a.m. each day. Evening sessions start at 7.30. Don't miss Firestorm on Fire. Three days, Victory Christian Center. Victory Christian Center at 1641 Middle Tennessee Boulevard in Murfreesboro. This is John at LNK Trophy. We have a wide assortment of plaques. We have colored tumblers that we can engrave. They work great for gifts. We also offer other options for plaques. So if it's plaques you're looking for, come down to LNK Trophy. We're able to etch glasses and wine glasses. LNK Trophy can engrave just about anything. This is John at LNK Trophy House, 1115 Memorial Boulevard, just down from Smith Brothers Car Wash. Now, an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. A pair of Murfreesboro Composite Squadron Cadets received the opportunity of a lifetime during their squadron's Officers Club trip to Joint Base Langley-Eustis, Virginia. While there, U.S. Air Force Major Joshua Cavo Gunderson, F-22 Raptor Demonstration Team Commander and Pilot, presented Cadet Captains Emerson Garfield and Christopher Samaha with Civil Air Patrol's Amelia Earhart Award. If you're flying out of Nashville, it's probably best not to be packing heat. There's a new record at Nashville International Airport. Transportation Security Administration officers found 25 guns at security checkpoints last month. That's the highest monthly total for BNA ever. So far this year, 87 weapons have been discovered at the airport, after a total of 94 weapons were found there all of last year. The Parade Grand Marshal for the 2021 Old Timers Festival has been selected by the Laverne Parks and Recreation Department. Donnie and Teresa Fergus have accepted the invitation to serve as this year's Grand Marshal. The 2021 Old Timers Festival is scheduled for September 18th with a kickoff concert featuring Resurrection, a journey tribute, planned for September 17th at 7. The festival begins that Saturday with a parade through the heart of Laverne at 10 o'clock, starting at City Hall, traveling down Murfreesboro Road, and ending at Veterans Memorial Park. Following the parade, there'll be live music, entertainment for the kids, food vendors, and demonstrations by tradesmen and tradeswomen. The festival will wrap up with a concert Saturday night at 7, featuring the Eagle Maniacs. News on demand 24-7 at our website, WGNSRadio.com. And when news breaks, we tweet it. Follow us at WGNS Radio. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. News updates around the clock, when it breaks, and on demand at WGNSRadio.com. We are News Radio WGNS. Why move into a new house and, and leave a home that you already have memories with? Farrah Construction had already done the bathroom. Then we decided to move a wall or two and redo the playroom. If you can dream it, we can turn it into reality. And they did. The best investment in enjoyment that we ever made. We're family here at Farrah Construction. We care about you. 
This is Ron Hall with Fair Construction. Call 615-893-6120. Here at Bud's Tire, we make buying Michelin tires simpler. I'm Allison Mitchell with Bud's Tire Pros. We offer a straightforward approach to service, including nationwide warranties with every purchase. Stop in today to see our full lineup of Michelin and BF Goodrich tires. For whatever you drive, Michelin and BF Goodrich have a tire to fit any need. Bud's Tire Pros, hassle-free, guaranteed. We're located on East Main Street, exactly three miles from the town square, one mile past Rutherford Boulevard. Visit us online at BudsTireProsTN.com. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website and Alexa or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Good neighbor weather. Mostly sunny skies here this afternoon, a high in the upper 80s. Winds out of the north of 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly clear, low of 62. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 65. Classic kid movies are back this summer at Premier 6 on Broad in Jackson Heights. $5 tickets include admission, drink, popcorn, and candy. Check MurfreesboroMovies.com for showtimes for classic kid movies all summer. From NHC's Adams Place, Home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard. It's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Oh. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's sort of. Welcome back with Russ Pulley. Uh, ex-law enforcement uh, person, uh, FBI, mm-hmm. when the FBI was um, the number one uh, investigative agency in the world. Not in Rutherford County, though. Well, I mean, you guys were second to us. <laughs> That's right, of course. <laughs> but we gave you the, you, we gave you Look, the credit for I, everything. No, I took the credit. Remember, I, we'd come in and... Uh, uh, we'd uh, masquerade like we were working it together, and mm-hmm. then uh, uh, I'd make sure you did all the work, and then I'd make sure to take all the credit. Isn't that way it worked? Well, one thing was we went to <laughs> we went to Nissan, and uh, when had they had all those vehicles stolen over there, mm-hmm. and they had all the computers and things that yeah. they, they had uh, supposedly knew where every mm-hmm. car was at mm-hmm. the time, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you you did all the work on that. I mean, oh, really? Did. I didn't know what in the heck they were talking about. <laughs> Jim Gaze didn't do anything, did he? Oh, Jim, wasn't he great? <laughs> he was a great investigator. Yes, he was. He would have been mm-hmm. a great FBI man. He really was. Well, he's one of the guys I'm talking about. You yeah. know, here, you know, great, fantastic investigator chose to stay here, and uh, so you know. That's just evidence of the fact that, you know, just because you happen to be, have three letters by your name doesn't make you anything special. Um, you know, we had great, great, great people in every, every organization. Have they changed the name of the Bureau yet? I don't know. They need to, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't even want it in the same class of what you guys did. Mm. The Before you guys and then... After uh, Hoover died, uh, things changed quite a bit. But you guys still held it at a high level. And then um, what's happened because of politics just drives me absolutely mm-hmm. crazy. Yes, it does. But I, I've been crazy anyway because my Tennessee balls they haven't been up to the same level that they should have been. 
And I know you're going to Knoxville, you said earlier. Mm -hmm. And the officials in the SEC, I know you've seen a lot of changes since you've been there. And you're the one with the big U on the back mm -hmm. behind the, the linebackers. And uh, do you still feel like if that's what you want to do with all – You've got Texas and Oklahoma coming in the next year or so. And mm -hmm. the the SEC seems to not only be the premier uh, uh, place for football, but it, it um, it's one of those things that I'm not too sure it's a good thing to get as large as the SEC is and as powerful not only on the football field, but also in the money market. I'm telling you, it's uh, you know that's 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 an interesting question that you raise. Um, it, it definitely Texas and Oklahoma will change the dynamics of the yeah. SEC for sure. Uh, but to your other point, um, yeah, I, I don't think there's any question, and I love it when people try to bring this issue up mm -hmm. to me. I drink coffee occasionally. I used to drink it pretty regularly with a guy who played at Wisconsin in the Big Ten. And I always love when he used to bring up the comparison of the Big Ten and the SEC to me. Of course, it's just sort of banter and smack talk among friends. Yeah. But uh, it's easy to obliterate somebody in the in the who's the best argument. Um, just take a look at the facts. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how many national champions do we have over the last 20 years? How many different teams do we have winning those national championships? Yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. And, uh, um, you know, it just, just it's the same every year. I mean, this is what I would consider – over the last 10, 15, 20 years, and continuing now to be the golden age of the Southeastern Conference. So it absolutely is where the best college football is being played. Uh, and sure, I do enjoy being a part of that game. You know, at my age, it, for me, it's can I still make a, a contribution to the game at a high level as an official and i evaluate that every year yeah um you know am i physically able to do it uh am i do i still have what it takes to be able to uh, exercise that judgment and make a contribution to my crew and as long as the answer to those questions are yes i'll continue to do it but you know it does become a challenge uh every year because it's harder and harder to stay up with those young guys yeah. Tennessee has Heupel as their new coach, who is an offensive-minded coach. Mm -hmm. And the the game will not be as slow with him in there. You're going to have receivers running all over the place, which I'm happy. They've, they've needed a, a change in their offense. But for somebody like you, an official, with – Everything is harem scarum on the football field when Tennessee will go on the offense. That's pretty tough for uh, an, an official, especially the uh, the umpire. Well, we certainly are used to it because remember Hugh Freeze at Ole yeah. Miss. Uh, yeah. He ran a tempo offense. Lane Kiffin's doing the same thing there. There are a number of our coaches who, uh, and the game has evolved that so. Uh, the good news for us is we have eight officials, and we now have a center judge who 
handles a lot of the ball placement responsibilities, which takes a load off of the umpire. Yeah. Um, but we're quite used to all that. And uh, so I don't think, you know, if uh, I haven't been there yet, I'm going up there next week to work practices. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, so we'll see what, you know, what's going on with Tennessee. But we're ready for that kind of stuff because we've seen it uh, a lot and we've seen it for a number of years. The game has evolved quite a lot uh, since I started doing this. Mm -hmm. um, you really, it's kind of unusual nowadays just to see a regular huddle. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, we've had to evolve with the game. You know, the way we operate as officials uh, now is much different mechanically uh, than it was 25 years ago, say. You, know, you look at some of the games that uh, I was a part of when I first got in the SEC, and I look at those mechanics we were using, I'm like, wow, dark age stuff, because it's evolved so much. When the game changes... See, were you, did you start with a single wing? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, and then face masks became a part of the game. <laughs> <laughs> and, and being able to escape when you got about four or five linemen, uh, uh, especially the linebackers, because I, I think I was watching the Auburn game when you just absolutely got slammed. <clears throat> Wait and I was really worried I about it. I thought I did the slamming in that oh, game. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you, you, you put up the white flag when you're laying down you know, there. The last time it happened to me was uh, Joe Burrow ran over me uh, uh, in the LSU Ole Miss game a couple of years oh, ago. Whoa. And I'm like, dude, seriously, I didn't see you coming. <laughs> he was really nice about it, though. He, he was, uh, let's see, who's he playing for now? Uh, Cincinnati. Cincinnati. <clears throat> mm -hmm. He was a great quarterback, and, and nobody saw it coming from here. No, really. And, and I think from what I know about the situation, he worked his way into that. Uh, from, uh, from what people down there tell me, he just was a very, very hard worker and yeah. a great leader. Uh, he worked his way into uh, being what he turned out to be, and he led his team down that same path. Yeah. And it ended up being a pretty magical senior season for him. One of the best I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Sure was. Now, you, you were talking about, you know, you got the center guy that's going to be there taking care of placement of the ball. Center but judge. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm surprised that you wanted to give that up. Because Give I've up. noticed, uh, no, the placement. Because mm -hmm. you always knew where the cameras were, <laughs> and you would put that ball down, and then you would look directly at the camera and, and wave. I, and I and I would holler at my kid, "Hey guys, there's there's Russ there," and yeah. you would just be smiling, and it was, hey, uh, look at me, you became a star. <laughs> look at me, the umpire star. <laughs> well, and when you're in the middle of the field like that, it's kind of hard to hide. So uh, everything you do is exposed. <laughs> I'd like to be one of those deep guys who uh, hardly ever gets on camera. That way nobody ever knows when you screw up. <laughs> well, I, I tell you what, you're the best I've ever seen. You're and, kind. And, yeah, I and I, I am partial, but, but you are. <clears throat> I mean, you. Uh, I, a lot of times when you see all the officials get together on, on a pretty tough call, most of the time I see they're looking at you. 
and not that you made a bad call. They're looking at you to see what your opinion is on those particular That's calls. That's right. I keep trying to tell my crew they need to do that more often. <laughs> One thing that you've always focused on is you don't want the officials to control how the game is going to end. We, we do not want to be seen. Yeah. We want to do our job, and if we do it correctly, people typically don't know we're there. Yeah. So we don't need officials who want to be seen, because if you do, you will be, and typically it's for the wrong reason. We want to be there to make the game safe, to make the game fair, and to get, make the game sportsmanlike. We want to make sure that we... Um, oversee those three aspects but the thing we do most is manage the game yeah and it's up to us to get balls in efficiently to get balls down to make sure that the teams are set and ready and that's 90 percent of what we do to make sure that we do our job properly so the game runs smoothly and when the game runs smoothly people don't really know we're there when it doesn't run smoothly you know they kind of look to us uh, when, when an official throws the flag and it looks like he probably made a mistake, he jumped the gun, how is that handled behind the scenes? You mean actually when it does happen, if yeah. we can uh, put a yo-yo on that thing? Well, well I, no, you can't. While the game's going on, we can. Mm -hmm. We you absolutely can? can. Yeah, if if a mistake, for example, is noted, because there are the occasions. You know, I can cite you examples of when officials threw their marker and like, ah, you know, I want to rethink that. Yeah. And uh, I, <clears throat> sometimes when you jump the gun, that's the case. Now, uh, people often say, "Well, can't somebody take him off of that?" Keep in mind, there's 22 players and eight officials. Yeah. Everybody has a responsibility, and it's typically not the same thing as the guy who uh, uh, maybe called the foul. There mm -hmm. are times when uh, you do have more than one set of eyes on that particular issue, mm -hmm. uh, and it becomes a game of angles at that point. For example, pass interference. Once the ball's thrown to uh, a particular location, you typically have three sets of eyes that converge on where the ball's thrown when they were looking at separate things prior to that. Mm -hmm. And the great thing about that is you have three guys positioned in sep separate places on the field so they have different angles, which is an asset because one angle may be critical to getting it correct. Mm -hmm. So in instances like that, um, when a when a, a flag is thrown, uh, a lot of times you'll see those officials come together to share what it is that each other thought. Mm -hmm. uh, and those are times when you can have that kind of conversation. If an individual and one of the things about our league is we've evolved to the point where, um, uh, like when I first came in the league years ago, people were very hesitant about coming off of. Uh, a penalty flag that they've thrown mm -hmm. and you know the the point of of us being there is to get it right not for you to necessarily 
in your own mind be right or not be, you know, whatever. The point is to get it right. And if we can come together and get it right, it's no shame in picking your flag up. And now, culturally, we've evolved to that point where, you know, the crew getting it right is, uh, is, is paramount. And we have a great supervisor now, and, and I believe our officiating staff is better now than it was uh, uh, last year. It was better last year than it was the year before. And I think it will continue to improve moving forward because we've got a very special guy who's in charge of our troops now. Mm -hmm. And uh, Who is it? John McDade. Oh, I didn't know you had changed. Yeah, John McDade took over Steve Shaw, who was our coordinator. A long time. And uh, he became the national coordinator of officials. He's also the national rules editor. So uh, that caused him to have to leave uh, prior to the last season. So in the spring of last year, um, the commissioner hired John, who was our top on-field referee. Mm -hmm. And John's very special. He's a Harvard graduate, played football at Harvard. And um, John, um, they have football at Harvard. Well, I know I ask him that all the time. I said yeah. I didn't realize you had a football team up there, <laughs> but he uh, worked for Microsoft. The data guy, really, oh. really smart guy. Yet he's got he has tons of common sense. Really gets it, uh, and uh, really special. You know, I had a relationship with him throughout his years as a re as a referee in our league. Uh, and I, we were constantly talking during the week because uh, it was good to get feedback from a guy like that. He uses data, and it's amazing how he's brought data to our game. Uh, and data tells a, quite an interesting story. So uh, um, he's, he's really, really smart. He's uh, uh, revolutionary. He's bringing a lot to us. And he's putting together quite a good, solid developmental program. We now have the Sun Belt and the Southern Conference as a part of our consortium. So those have become developmental leagues for the Southeastern Conference. And, um, and John's worked hard to really, uh, and he still has a lot of work ahead of him to try to get, you know, round up good quality people to be a part of that developmental program. Because, you know, there's not a whole lot of people. we got to really work hard to get people interested in officiating nowadays. You look at the high school associations that are around, they're struggling to find people to, uh, to work high school ball. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's... I would say it's be kind of uh, stressful to do what you're doing because you've got a camera uh, focusing on every inch of the the playing field mm -hmm. and uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still not totally convinced about uh, the replays. Uh, you probably are because you guys do such a great job but there's always going to be things that are going to happen that you feel pretty confident that your call is correct and then they bring the camera in on it and it looks entirely different than what you saw at uh, at the pace that you're having to make your call on. Yeah, there's a lot. It, it, that's an, it brings up an interesting conversation, a lot to unpack there. You know, our replay, you know, we, we 
you know, we are continuing to evolve. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think the replay program is evolving to a different type of person. When replay started, basically what they used were retired officials. Mm -hmm. Now I think they're changing the uh, model to where they've gotten, uh, we've hired a bunch of uh, younger guys with different skill sets to go into replay. So now rather than the 65-year-old uh, official who's, uh, uh, you know, too old to work on the field, uh, and and that's the only person we're looking at. We have found success in going to younger guys who are more technology-based, uh, and 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 using them as a tool in the replay booth booth as well. So. Uh, you take the national coordinator of officials, Dean Blandino, uh, national coordinator of replay officials, who actually was the coordinator of football officials for the National Football League for a while. He's a technology guy, not official. Yeah. So uh, those things have proved to, pro proven to be great assets for us moving forward, and uh, we'll change the replay. But to your point. Uh, when you look at replay angles, let's also remember there are angles that TV cameras never get that come from the eyes of football officials. Mm -hmm. Take me, for example. I'm in the middle of the football field. There ain't a camera out there that, got, that has my angle. So mm -hmm. I may see something that... Um, that a, a TV camera angle cannot see. So that's where there's a challenge. You don't want to, what we call, officiate from the booth. You want to use the booth to <coughs> see if there's video evidence that would cause them to overturn a call because there's clear video evidence the contrary of what you do. So you have to really differentiate from clear video evidence that would allow replay to maybe intervene and supersede versus replay just throwing out what you did on the field and, and making the call from the booth. We want to avoid that. We want to use replay as a tool, but still remember that there are angles that on-field officials see that can't be duplicated with a TV camera. And what the people that are actually watching the game on TV and the call uh, goes uh, maybe uh, against their team mm -hmm. on either side and and uh, then you see the replay and the the replay does not coincide with what that one of the officials has said mm -hmm. and, and uh, you, you sit there and you watch the TV and what they're saying happened is not what you see on the replay. And a lot of times also, this is why uh, when we work a football game, we get a video of it, and we get a minimum of three separate angles of every single play we work. Yeah. At minimum, we get the TV copy and the TV replays, whatever they use for their replay. So we'll have that one play. Then it'll cycle to a high 50. So the coaches will have a camera in the press box mm -hmm. and it'll be a sideline view. Then it cycles to an end zone view where we have uh, the coaches with a camera positioned in the end zone and we get that those three cuts mm -hmm. at minimum those three cuts 
of every single play. And if you look at those angles, it's sometimes very remarkable that each angle tells a completely different story. Yeah. We'll look at a play from a, 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 like an, a side view, for example, what we call the high 50. And while it'll look for everything in the world like, man, there's nothing going on here. And then you look at the play from the end zone and you see, well, this is a big time foul here that this angle never showed you. So it's all about angles. But really the is. officials in the booths, from it's not just football. It's baseball, baseball in particular. And, and uh, w when you see the replays and the way, and then the decision is made in the booth, it does not always go with what you see uh, uh, being recorded there. That's right. Yeah. And so, you know, sometimes, so, and you're right. Sometimes so we just, nothing is 100% accurate. No, and I've yet to see any official in my entire career work a perfect game. Yeah. You know, somebody wants to tell me how great they are, I said, let me see your film. I'll show you some things. <laughs> I'd rather see the official on the field make the mistake than them making it in the booth. That, I, I have I a think you're heart. exactly right. It's, it's, it, people have a lot of difficulty uh, if – if the booth injects themselves and messes it up. Yeah, because the uh, official who makes the call, he's not held up to such scrutiny as the one in, in, in that booth. And when and it really it, it bothers anyone who has a particular team that they're supporting uh, uh, on the field. And I'd much rather see that happen. And, uh, um, I just don't know. I, th I think we're getting too technical on everything, and we should put our uh, 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 judgment calls with the officials that are on the field, like they always do. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not sure it's it, – you have that little feeling that there's something sneaky going on <laughs> when you see it done in the booth, and it, it bothers me. It really does. I'll tell you what, there's no more passionate group of people than fans are about Southeastern Conference football. Yeah. I always tell my buddies in other parts of the country, I say, when you come to Southeast and you want to find a book on Southeastern Conference football, um, you don't go to the sports section, you go to the religious section because <laughs> it is a religion down here. <laughs> well, you remember when uh, Peyton Manning signed with UT. There were people all over the state of Mississippi that were wanting the Mannings hung. They oh wanted them gosh. strung up. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and bless his heart, I thought that Archie and his wife did a wonderful job standing by uh, Peyton Manning's decision to go to UT. I mean, that, that was his decision, and, mm -hmm. and I, I think it, it was the right decision. People in Tennessee still love him. We dress at hotels, and we get shuttled over to and from the game dressed in a van with a police escort. I talked to peers in other leagues. They drive to the stadium. They dress there, and they drive out. That ain't happening with us. Uh, because people that kill us. I well, mean, now, wait a minute now. When you and uh, David Lowry and myself 
<laughs> we went to see the Tennessee Notre Dame. Yes, game. we did. And we never said an ugly thing to you the whole way, <laughs> even coming back. And it it was it was one of those games that it the very last play it decided was the, the last game. Place. Now I will tell you that um, I've been in some situations where people tried to get in that van, and because uh, people uh, they're passionate about their football. They really are, and uh, you know there've been people killed each other over these games. Would you say that you've been all over the nation? Is the SEC the most passionate place? To oh, play there is football? that is undisputed. Is that why it's become such a um, um, an area that is just drawing monies? Hand over fist. Uh, you look at it. Look at the TV contracts. Look at the stadiums. I mean, yeah. our stadiums, mostly, but uh, all of our stadiums are packed for non-conference games that involve teams like, you know, mid-majors and mm -hmm. some 1AA teams. Well, they call them FCS now. Uh, uh, in my day, they were 1AA. Yeah. You know, I went and I had, uh, you remember, uh, I had a game at Georgia a couple of years. Austin P played at Georgia. The place was packed. Yeah. I mean, you know, this game is basically over before it starts. You know, the, uh, <laughs> the coaches wanted to end it early because it was that kind of game. But people packed that stadium to watch it. Yeah. And that's because they love their football, and they know they're only going to have, have seven home games a year, these big schools. And, uh, you know, it's a, it, it is really tough to get tickets to some of these schools. Go try to get a ticket to an LSU game or an Alabama game, an Auburn game. Back in the day, you know, uh, you know, Tennessee was the same, same up there. Yeah, Tim, Tennessee, I, I'm, I'm really shocked that Tennessee has fallen on hard times for such a long period of time. And, uh, you know, the Southeastern Conference is better when Tennessee's good. Um, and hopefully that will be the case moving forward. Uh, but, uh, you know, we got even, – even now, I mean, they're – those – it's as simple as one coach leaving because mm -hmm. he came in and with his daddy and uh, uh, everybody says Tennessee will, will be back battling Alabama every year after they got him. And then he decided to go back to California, Southern Cal. And that, it, it, they never recovered from it. They, they mm -hmm. thought that they would, and but uh, – I think Tennessee will be back. They have the strongest fan base in the world, but they do not like to lose. No, they don't. And 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 I don't guess anybody in any sport likes to lose. But Alabama went through a period many years ago they did. where they, they couldn't sure do did. anything. They went through a long period. I remember when I first came to town. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk uh, when I first got here. You know, and uh, being from the East Coast. Well, I wasn't necessarily really indoctrinated in the SEC culture because I grew up in ACC country. You know, you know basketball was king out there. Uh, and I got here and I wow, football is uh, – these people are really into their football. Oh, in this rabbit. Area. 
Yeah, very much. And then uh, there was the Tennessee-Alabama thing, me and in, uh, living in Nashville, and uh, it appeared as though Tennessee was really getting the best of Alabama, and then Alabama would get a couple. Uh, all that changed when uh, Nick Saban arrived in Alabama, though. Have you got any idea what makes him so successful? Yes. Uh, that guy is his – his mind, you know, he's very passionate about what he does, as most coaches are, uh, but he is driven at a different level, and, you know, he has <clears throat> been so driven for so long and knows so much and spends so much. You know, like him and uh, these big-time NFL coaches talk all the time. He knows so much that he just thinks at a different level. And look at his players. I mean, they are – disciplined at a different at a at a much different level we look at film of uh you know, take blindside blocks for example you know you will see uh, you typically don't see alabama committing the same kind of uh infractions that you do others and he just thinks at a different level than a lot of others do i think he puts himself at a different level <coughs> because his assistant coaches have been at, at, at the very top. I mean, uh, nobody would question them. But I have seen him just fly off the handle when they do something that he feels like is just absolutely you ought to go stupidly to his practices. insane. You ought to go to his practices. I think it's hard to really uh, officiate his practices because everybody's a target, including yeah. us. Well, I, I when you're talking about Alabama, I, I uh, <coughs> thought a lot of Brad Bryant. I, mm -hmm. I saw the last time that he played in Knoxville, and mm -hmm. uh, um, the fans at the end of the game stood up and, and, and honored him, which you don't see that with many coaches because there's so much uh, animosity between uh, each team and, mm -hmm. and the fans of each team. It's, it's unbelievable. And he he just – I'm not too sure that Saban is a better coach than Brian. Uh, they're, they're different types of coaches. You know, and again, I'm an official. I'm not a player and I'm not a coach. Yeah. Uh, so I see it differently and, and I can't really speak to the things that others can. But what I do see is I see the records. Yeah. And I see uh, the national championships. And that's not by accident. And, uh, you know, I see the players and I see the execution. And it, they're pretty, you know, they're pretty special down there. I mean, look at what they did last year. That was amazing. Yeah. I mean, what uh, I think the Ole Miss game was as close as anybody came, and that was still double digits. They just beat the tar at everybody. And I'm not so sure how this new thing is going to, uh, this name, image, and likeness thing where they're, where payers are getting played. I think that's going to maybe be more harmful than what we realize. Yeah, I don't know how it's going to unfold, but, you know, it sure seems to like, you know, when you got a when you got a guy who's never played a down getting all the, kind of, all the money that a high-profile athlete like a quarterback at a school like Alabama is getting, uh, that may – I don't know what that does to recruiting. No, I, I liked it when you were amateurs. Mm -hmm. I, I don't like the professionalism. And, and the more professional, uh, j just like uh, 
NBA. Mm -hmm. I won't watch an NBA game. Right. Just absolutely. And, and, and it's the attitudes of the players that affect me more than anything. These guys are multimillionaires. They make more than many CEOs of major companies. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And they're playing a game, a sport. It just, it just doesn't, it doesn't sink into me. And now these guys are, are their uh, college education is being paid for. They're learning so much. There's so m many valuable things in their classrooms, and mm -hmm. they say that they're not receiving anything. And it doesn't, uh, it doesn't compute at all. Yeah, it's it uh, to me. I mean, I don't know what to see. I think the evidence will, will sort of roll itself out and see yeah. how this works. And uh, it is interesting. It's it's a, it's a topic that has been debated for a long time, and it'll just be interesting to see because it it to me at this point it just raises a lot of questions, and the mm -hmm. questions uh, we'll see the answers to them unfold uh, in time. Well, I'm I'm very. Um I, I, I'm upset because they're doing all these things, and maybe it's just because everything was different when we were being raised up. But uh, the the values of people, uh, as far as their integrity and how they reached out to other people, mm -hmm. it seems to be going away, and it's all mm -hmm. me, me, me. And mm -hmm. I, I, I can't even see the quarterback for Green Bay acting like he's uh, uh, been doing. I, I've thoroughly pushing away from uh, the uh, NFL now. Uh, I, there are just so many negative things going on. And it seems like the money is just absolutely destroying Oof. what we feel in people anymore. It's insane. It's, uh, to me, I, I, I have a hard time. The reason I have a hard time watching the NFL is <laughs> I'm busy. We... Uh, we typically don't get an opportunity to watch it until, you know, our season's over because on Sundays we're really uh, locked into uh, reviewing the film of our game from the day before and uh, sorting out because, uh, you know, it takes me about seven hours to watch a, a game film, uh, going through all those plays, looking for things that um, we – mechanically can improve on uh, looking for things that we may have missed or things that we may you're have looking right. at these at this film as a team uh, we all look at it individually and uh, um, you know what we will do is look at it individually and then come back together as a crew and discuss things and I'll usually put a playlist together of about 30 or 40 plays for us to talk about and a lot of that is just really getting us mechanically on the same page because uh, uh, the referee center judge and the umpire, for example, we're all looking at the same basic thing, but we got several players uh, uh, to really monitor. So we'll look at plays and make sure that we know where each other's looking so that we don't have duplication. And, we, and if we have duplication, we have misses. And it's just a very good training tool for us to focus on getting prepared for the next week. So our week looks like, you know, on Saturday we work the game. We get debriefed by uh, all the people who are watching us, you know, the game day observer, the people in Birmingham. Mm -hmm. We get their feedback on Saturday night after the game. And uh, then we start kind of breaking down our own film. 
uh, I can't watch seven straight hours, so I yeah. usually break it up. Uh, I'll watch for, you know, I'll, I'll spend an hour and a half here and then another hour and a half there. And it's usually probably, you know, Monday, uh, sometimes Tuesday before I'm finished. Um, but we're also talking to each other about various plays. Hey, what did you think of this play? Go look at that play. Um, and we'll give each other feedback. We'll receive feedback from each other. And that's kind of what we do up till Tuesday. And then the film graders will uh, get to us. But then we got to prepare for, we got to put that game to bed and then prepare. We'll, we'll do a little uh, uh, a scouting and look at film of uh, the teams we're about to work. Not so we can go hunt players yeah. for doing things, but so we can look at team tendencies to make it easier for us to know where players are so that we can uh, be better at being in the positions we need to be to see things. So it's always good to know what we're up against. Uh, so we'll, we'll kind of prepare for the game that way. What a complicated job you've got. It is. It's Bless tough. your heart. Yeah. All right, we got to wrap up the show. Da, da, da. I think we could have gone another two or three hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no telling that what kind of trouble I could have gotten to uh, in another two or three hours. Now, what's the head official again? Uh, the on my crew. Yeah, no, 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 no. The one over it all. Yeah, one oh, over it all. John McDade. John McDade. So I remember that name. He is. He's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, he's very special, and he will, uh, you know, he'll. He, uh, our officiating program is is blessed to have a guy like that. Yeah. All right, guys. We'll see you in the morning at nine. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard. It's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com.